Let me tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. Nah, 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 come on! On this episode of the Heat Check, we're going to spend time, just a little bit of time, breaking down All-Star Weekend. But the one thing that we could take away from the weekend, from the festivities, from all of the gravitas that this particular event held, given the fact that it was top 75 players of all time, given that it was LeBron James back in his pseudo-hometown where he played for multiple different eras in the Cleveland Cavaliers history. All the shade thrown at GM Rob Polinka, the tension, the bombshell reporting, this statement about his son and him playing with Bronny James to winning the All-Star game on a last-second double-team fadeaway jumper. Oh my God, we must get into LeBron James. Him, of course, dominating every single highlight, every single headline of the weekend. So drop that. Drop gets excited still by chains and whips. I'm certain, right? I'm certain. It's just, (laughs) I'm certain. (laughs) And a current, like and a current, as my grandma would have said. Welcome to the Heat Check. Uh, It is happy Chris Middleton day, 2-2-22. Just like the All-Star game, this episode of the Heat Check has been hijacked by... (laughs) LeBron James. LeBron James! The All-Star Game both shockingly good while unbelievably bad at the exact same time. So let's talk about the good because we're pushing P. Apparently everyone's pushing P at the All-Star Weekend too. That thing went viral as well. I'm not saying that I made it viral, but it did get played acoustically at the halftime show, I think. I was watching that at the same time I was watching Daredevil Confession. My interests were split. Marvel has Marvel has dominated my brain. A uh, new format of the Rising Stars Challenge that we talked about was, as I foretold, absolutely delicious. Dope. Needs to be how it is moving forward. Seeing young guns out there dazzling one another, the best of the best. Thank God we got to see some extra guys brought into the Rising Stars uh, challenge after, after the fact, right? It was must-see TV. Must-see TV. And if you haven't seen it, go back, watch it. Skills challenge. Shockingly fun. I went from hating that event to being like, well, isn't this just a little delight? 
seeing Evan Mobley like have to win on a half court shot. Evan Mobley, seven footer, half court shot to win it against the Giannis Antetokounmpo brothers. Like, who are just somehow in this event because of their relationship to Giannis, which is shockingly eerily similar to where we're going with the rest of this show. <laughs> Nepo- nepotiz, as my mom would call it. Nepotiz. Of course, the game itself with the Elam ending that has to stay, that everyone put shade on for many months after the first time we saw it. Amazing. Like, a blast. Megawatt star power to the level that even a MVP like Nikola Jokic did not get a minute of time in the fourth quarter. That's how good that was. Steph set a record of threes set in an all-star game. And, of course, the game was won by LeBron James on his, we'll call it pseudo-home floor which used to be called the Q, which is now the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. And he won on a turnaround fadeaway, covered, like slathered by two defenders. More of that later. The bad? The weather. Like Cleveland should never host an all-star game ever. No cold weather city, including New York City, should host an all-star game for the NBA We cannot be having these games in these shitty cities in the middle of winter. We need a respite. Like, let me just say this. If you want to keep, like, big-time players in your city and not just have them legitimately sprinting to their PJs 45 minutes after the All-Star game is over, you host it in a warm-weather city like Miami, which is where they all are probably right this very second. Do not host it in in cold-weather towns. We are talking Boston 2025. Fuck that. For so many reasons, you're talking about a cold weather city, which has also been like low key known for being racist, hosting an exhibition game where definitely that will come up. I am certain. Bill Russell? Excuse me. Marcus Smart? Excuse me. People will come out from the Raptors. Kyrie Irving might be vaccinated by then, folks. Who knows? <laughs> or he might be retired. One of the two. No, folks, we do not need Boston in 2025. We need Miami. We need Los Angeles. We need Phoenix. We need anything below the frost line. That's what we need. We do not need to be worried about rocking our new Jordan 1s and getting them fucked up because there's salt on the ground. And you have to literally sell them on Mercari used used Jordan 1s fresh from the All-Star game. Anything must go Mercari.com. Like, that's where we're at on this. And the worst of all, you guys already know what time it is. It's the dunk contest. This thing needs to change. This probably needs to just get put down to sleep. Like, night-night sleep mask. Like, euthanize the dunk contest. The dunk contest is that dog that you loved and you've been with. You've had him your entire life. And, like, you either take him to the vet or he runs away to die. Like, and you know you'll never see him again. But it's time. It needs, you need a new puppy, and there needs to be a new event, and the dunk contest is not that. Because when the best part of the dunk contest is a regular dunk in Tim's, in Timberland boots, which the most impressive thing is that he decided to bring out the most iconic color that everyone hates to get scuffed, and it's like, oh, how could you be so brave, Cole Anthony multimillionaire, that you would wear a pair of $150 Timberland boots, ah, and dunking in them. 
Excuse me. Excuse me. We have legends in the building. And you guys knew for months, legends were going to be in the building. All of them in one place watching you. I get terrified of failure when no one's watching, when I don't even know who's watching. If there was Bill Russell or how about all of them? Just Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael Jordan, Shaq. And you know there's going to be commentary on what you've done. They're sitting front row. Some of them, like Dr. Dre, or Dr. Dre, Dr. J, that was an Invisalign flub. A Dr. J holding up signs of your score. And your best move is putting on a New York Knicks jersey because your father played there in Timberland boots to give homage to the New York market, which you don't even play for because you play for Orlando. And then literally you're pandering to the greats and you've got Dr. J with the sign up watching you and all you can do is a regular little Duncan Tim's. Excuse me, we've jumped the shark. This is, we've got, Legends of the game, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar legitimately grabbing his coat and dip-setting in the middle of the dunk contest. That went viral. Excuse me, what are... You should be embarrassed. Like, you should be embarrassed, NBA embarrassed. There should have been a new bar set for this for this event, which is you cannot compete unless you're in the All-Star game. That's the only way you can compete is if you're actually an all-star. Juan Toscano Anderson, nice kid. Loved the little Mexican uh, flag Kobe Bryant shoes. Loved that. Love his story. He's a fucking G League player on a two-way contract who got a full contract this year. Like, he was a nice story. And we can't even get Gary Payton the second up in here? Are you kidding me? If we're going to get random, like, this isn't the Rising Stars dunk contest. If we want to do that, that's cute. And that would be a Rising Stars contest. We need real stars in the dunk contest. Michael Jordan competed in this thing. Dominique Wilkins competed in this thing. I've got to watch Anthony Simons a year away last year from anywhere near what we would call, like, mediocre stardom or, or like, Jupiterum. Like, he's not even a star. He's just, like, some random thing. We've got... Juan Toscano Anderson. We've got Cole Anthony. We've got Obi Toppin for the second time. Literally just trying to get minutes as much like camera time as possible because Tibbs has him hidden in a closet somewhere. This is not the dunk contest I grew up loving. We are all like burning this thing down to the ground. It's like shame, shame, shame. That's where we're at. Jesus Christ. (sighs) But... What stole every headline after that long side road of a rant that I did not even anticipate going on? The main topic of All-Star Weekend was everything about LeBron James. It was drama all-encapsulating of leverage and posturing and subtle remarks designed to send warning shots and then responses from agencies and front offices and the media world trying to dissect, deconstruct, and make sense of what the fuck is going on with LeBron James and the Lakers right now because it feels like things have gotten kind of awkward really fast. 
we are going to be dealing with this aftermath until LeBron James is at a point where he can sign his extension in August and it'll get really loud if he doesn't. That's where we're at. There's going to be pieces written about this from now until free agency. The magnitude of what Braun is saying, not only directly, but indirectly in so many ways, because he said so many things during the course of the All-Star game. He gave a one-on-one to Athletic that dropped in the middle of All-Star weekend when he has absolutely zero relevance in terms of his team right now. And that is what he is known for. It all began during that interview with Jason Lloyd, where he was asked in a joking manner, that was a total throwaway comment about LeBron James, who played for the Cleveland Cavs twice. They're a fun young team. Huh, ever think about coming back to Cleveland? Ha ha ha, right? Ha ha ha. And the answer sent ripples around the league. Oh yeah, door's not closed on that. I don't know what my future holds. Um, pause, excuse me? Hold on, did he just say he was open to coming back to the Cleveland Cavaliers for a third time? Isn't he under contract for the next two years? What are we talking about here? As it turns out, that was the first of a number of shots at Rob Palenka. Multiple. Even Rich Paul, the leader of Clutch Sports, which represents LeBron James, caught strays. Just for no reason. Braun then went on to talk about the current Cavs in a way that also seemed like shade thrown at Rob Palenka. This is what he said. I think Kobe and those guys have done an unbelievable job at drafting and making trades. I think the big fella, Jared Allen, the acquisition for it was amazing for them to make that trade. Obviously, Darius Garland is a big-time player. I think the role that Kevin Love is playing right now has also uplifted those young guys. Seeing a veteran that could sacrifice a champion that has won a championship. Pause. Any champion has won a championship. I just want to say you don't need to say that. It's like ATM machine, you know what I mean? All the things that he's done to come off the bench and play his role, I'm not surprised by anything they're doing right now. And that's a lie. We all are. Everyone is not only surprised, we're shocked. They have shocked the fuck out of us to the point where we are now questioning our own reality because there is a scenario where the Cleveland Cavaliers are the one seed in the East without LeBron James on that team. That is banana land. No one could foresee that, not even LeBron James. So shady. So shady he is, and I fucking love it. (laughs) The next day, things went into overdrive when LeBron unprompted, completely out of the clouds, drop this. Just as it, for no reason, nobody's asking about his son. Nobody's asking about LeBron James' uh, final tour, farewell tour. No one, not one person. Maybe he's just reflective in that moment, but I don't think so. I think everything LeBron James does is extremely calculated. This is what he said. Because he did this. He's been doing this since he was 16 years old. He's been in the limelight of the media, knowing exactly what little buttons to push and how to, little like Pinocchio, uh, marionette of the media. This is what he said. My last year will be played with my son. Wherever Bronny is at, that's where I'll be. I would do 
whatever it takes to play with my son for one year. It's not about money at that point. Um, whoa. We all know, yeah, Washington Go-Go, G League Ignites, anyone? Uh, Shanghai Sharks, anyone? Yo, that would be crazy. We know how much LeBron James loves China. We do know he is a fan of China. We knew exactly what this would do. He knew exactly what this would do. Chaos. Mass fucking chaos. Chaos that has the random fan of the NBA with no affiliation to LeBron James legitimately Googling YouTube highlights of Bronny James. People creating new mock drafts about where Bronny James would go. I'm talking about pushing buttons to the point where the entire landscape has shifted like a seismic shift in the landscape. Whew. We're all thinking about matching LeBron James Jr., LeBron James Sr. jerseys, shoes, content series of father like father like son, a tale of two brawnies. You know what I mean? All of this, money, money, money. To the point where even I think, this motherfucker might go number one overall. I'm pretty sure he will. For no reason other than the fact that LeBron James contributes some more wins at this age in a half a season than most top eight picks in the lottery contribute in the course of their entire first contract in a half of a season contributes to $65 million in additional revenue just for that team alone, let alone for the community that he ends up affecting from the people who go to restaurants and bars, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He knows exactly what he's doing. Absolutely unreal. And again, warning shot to Rob Palenka. He's saying, you think just because I love L.A., I won't leave L.A.? You think I'm just going to stay here? For no reason at all, just because of some sunshine? I lived in Cleveland, Ohio. You think I'm not willing to do what it takes? You think I'm done moving? I've moved a million times in my NBA career. I went from Cleveland to Miami to Cleveland again to L.A. You think I wouldn't do this shit again? Sheesh. I left my best friends, D. Wade and Chris Bosh, and Miami, where I drove my bike to work every day on the beach, and I went back to that shithole where an owner told the world to burn my jersey. You think I won't leave the Lakers? You think, get me a winner right fucking now, or I'm out. I am the golden goose. And I will be taking my talents to whatever place I deem it important. Not sure you could say anything bigger than this to hijack the news. And of course, a dozen stories end up dropping after that. About how unhappy LeBron James was with the trade deadline. About how he was definitely not co-signing the lack of moves with Rob Polinka as Rob Polinka tried to peddle to the world. Pieces that don't just get written overnight. Pieces that have been held for a moment when it makes sense to drop them, which is right on the heels of LeBron James sending warning shot after warning shot. He followed that up, LeBron, 
with effusive praise for another GM not named Rob Plinka. Sam Presti. Yeah. This MVP over here is Sam Presti. He's the MVP. Josh Giddy is great. Sam Presti, I don't understand this guy's eye for talent. He drafted KD, Russ, Jeff Green, Serge Ibaka, Reggie Jackson. I mean, the fact that he has this roster of names just in his head, boom, 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 is like, he scripted this. This guy is pretty damn good, Braun says. Rot row, Rob Polinka. You know who has a shitload of draft picks that they could trade? And a lot of cap space for a guy just sitting there waiting in the wings? That's the Oklahoma City Thunder, folks. They could very easily trade for LeBron James with no issues immediately. With ready-made stars willing to pass LeBron James the ball in angles that the mind has never even conceived. Braun is not listing your draft pick since you got put in charge in 2019 because there's only one, and it's Taylor Horton Tucker, a guy that you miscalculated in terms of his value to the marketplace when he wanted Kyle Lowry. And you decided not to trade for Kyle Lowry because of your little golden goose, your one little measly-ass, dusty-ass draft pick in Taylor Horton Tucker that you took, I believe, either in the late first round or the second. And that is when the think pieces started to come out, folks. Then, Tom Ziller, Mark Stein, Jason Lloyd, and the most damning piece of all, the guy who's been following LeBron James since he was in high school, my guy, Brian Windhorse. Windy McWinderson, knowing where the winds are going. Tom Ziller summed this up pretty nicely. He said, the short version of all of this through all of the fog LeBron James made a push to trade for Russell Westbrook in the offseason. That acquisition has not helped the Lakers at all. The Lakers are again at risk of missing the playoffs. LeBron is mad about that and mad the team made no moves at the deadline to shore up the roster. Here's my thing. The Lakers aren't that interesting. LeBron's position in all this is completely unflattering, and this is deep on the undercard of what's actually fun about the NBA right now. And trust me, no one finds Laker dysfunction more fun than me. Nope, that's a lie. I do. I find Laker dysfunction to be an unfillable well of joy. Joy upon joy upon joy. And that's with me trying to push P as hard as I possibly can for my own mental welfare and appreciation of the world around me, gratitude like only Aaron Rodgers could find after a 13-day cleanse of just a butter diet and forced vomiting. That's the level of gratitude I'm trying to be on, and yet nothing makes me happier than Laker dysfunction as a Portland Trailblazer fan. I mean, basically this is, uh, is how the second act of Cleveland went. Coming off of a championship loss... And trying to get to the Cavs to go all in one more time, even if it might put the franchise in a deep hole, mortgaging the future that they couldn't get out of for a very long period of time. That would take them maybe a decade to get out of, to crawl out of. So they did the, the unthinkable. You've already got your chip. They told LeBron, no. Nope, not going to do that. We've got plenty of picks. We're not trading them for you. Uh, this is the quote. The The Cavaliers did not trade future picks that became Darius Garland, 2019, Isaac Okoro, 2020, and Evan Mobley, 2021. I'd say that was pretty smart for a franchise known for making pretty dumb moves. They didn't trade their 2022 pick to appease LeBron. Instead, they traded it in the first James Harden deal to land Jared Allen. 
four of their five best players that LeBron James is basically slathering praise on about how good this franchise has been doing since his absence, and yet that the only reason they had the opportunities to make those moves is because they told LeBron James, absolutely fucking not. We are not doing what you want us to do because you are going to leave anyway. And you might even have us make moves that we end up not even getting pieces that put us over the hump anyway. So now against the all odds, the Cavs found themselves all the way back before the Lakers were back after they won it all. So now the Lakers are finding out something that Cleveland found out a long time ago. That Braun as a GM, Braun as a GM cripples your franchise for a very long time. And if you give him what he wants, that might actually expedite the process of him leaving because he doesn't make good decisions. And now not only have you made decisions that end up forcing him to leave, now you have nothing to build your franchise after he leaves in the wake of him piecing out for some other uh, a desirable location that he on a whim decides to go to. There are risks for not only allowing LeBron to get his way, but there are risks for not allowing LeBron to get his way. And you have to decide. You can't be half a gangster. You have to either go all in in the LeBron James business or like Pat Riley decided from the very beginning, you have to say him no every single say no to him every single time. Because if you give him what he wants, and then he decides, well, I know I said I wanted Russ, but now I'm deciding I don't want Russ. And then you say no the second time. Now it's like, well, you set a precedent. You're giving the kid candy every time he asks for candy, every time he cries for candy. And now the last time you think you can just say no? the tantrum gets even more absurd. And now the consequences of that? Chaos. Wendy wrote this. The Lakers have a flawed roster, yes. But LeBron played a large role in putting it together. But that doesn't mean he isn't ready to divorce it. Ooh. But they have options. Russell Westbrook, if he picks up his own player option, it will be on a $47 million expiring contract. After only being able to trade their 2027 first-round pick, which the Lakers decided not to trade at the deadline, in part because they still owe two future firsts from their Anthony Davis deal, which, by the way, which isn't in the quote, LeBron James forced them to do as well, another clutch client as well, Rules will then allow the Lakers to trade their 2029 pick as well. Being aggressive and further mortgaging the future will be painful and risky. But James is making his feelings clear. I don't care. I want to win now. Like Veruca Salt and Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, like just throwing an absolute temper tantrum. He says, do it, and they get more than new players. They will keep James deeply invested. That's something no team has ever been able to say no to, which is a lie. The Heat did. In the wake of the news that Braun is getting tired of the Lakers, news stories came out that the Lakers actually are just getting tired of Braun. More posturing. More teams trying to get leverage. you got the Braun side trying to get leverage. you got the Lakers being like, we don't care if you leave. We're the purple and gold. This is what Mark Stein wrote. Tremendous article. It's equally fair to wonder how much LeBron James is alienating the Lakers in the process. Hmm. Palenka has the unwavering support of Lakers owner Jeannie Buss and is firmly entrenched as a pillar in the club's four-pronged brain trust alongside Buss and the power couple of Kurt and Linda Rambis. 
That is a sentence, isn't it? Wow. For all of the just, I mean, what? So it's, so the brain trust, really quick before we keep going back to this quote, the brain trust is as follows. Rob Palinka, Jeannie Buss, Kurt Rambis, and his wife, Linda Rambis, and we're calling that a brain trust? Jesus Christ. Is that not one of the most overestimated? I, I don't even know. That could be a whole other separate comment another time. That's more than we need to dig into right now because I'm just processing this in real time. Put a pin in that. We'll go back to that. We will return back to that. Linda. I didn't even know Linda Rambis was in the picture for her to be a part of the brain. This is just so much of a departure from the episode. We got to keep going. For all of the justified credit James deserves for hauling the Lakers out of the worst period in franchise history, Linda Rambis stealing them through the tragedy of Kobe Bryant's death and delivering a championship after a hard-to-believe six straight seasons out of the playoffs, continued shots at Palinka might not be so swiftly forgotten. Remember, this is important, remember, this is an organization that cut ties completely with Lakers icon Jerry West who has a legit claim to greatest Laker ever status. He has a fucking statue outside of Staples Center, Crypto.com Arena, and they wouldn't even give him season tickets. They stole his season tickets away. And they're saying, yo, you think we don't, you don't think we know how to be gangsters over here? The greatest Laker in Laker history hates our fucking guts. Player, GM, has a statue outside. Like, one of the greatest human beings to ever walk in purple and grow. Like, the fucking logo. We have turned our backs on him. If you don't think we will turn our backs on you, you're crazier than crack, homie. Like, crazier than crack. They said, if Wes can be, yeah, if you want to fuck with Linda Ramos, that's where we draw the line. Excuse me. We mentioned strays. And Rich Paul got caught in one amidst all of the LeBron James drama. News broke that Rich Paul was very upset with the Lakers for not pulling the trigger on Russ and the Lakers' only first-round pick for clutch client John Wall. I mean, it just gets weirder and weirder, doesn't it? In a desperate effort to both salvage anything from the season but also salvage the client, his client's career. Because John Wall is sitting on ice where the Houston Rockets are saying, we are not playing you, we are playing all our young guys, and John Wall is just disintegrating into dust over there. Typically, things did not, as you might imagine, go well for Rich Paul after that story came out, given the fact that probably LeBron James is looking around saying, this is a whole lot of shitstorm I'm involved in, and now more news that puts me in a bad light when my legacy is very clearly on the line. Because LeBron at the All-Star Game, is trying to get into that rarefied air of Michael Jordan, which he will probably never, ever get into. But it was so bad that Rich Paul had to get to the point where he had to back-channel to guys like Stephen A. Smith, yes, to try to force the narrative that, listen, none of that is true. I didn't, I didn't want us to get John Wall because he's my client. I want us to get John Wall because, well, excuse me, it's not us. I don't work for the Lakers. I don't know what you mean. I wanted the Lakers to get John Wall, not because he was my client, but because it was the best thing for the organization and for my clients. As The Athletic noted, the marriage between the Lakers and James is in a precarious spot. 
You fucking think? I mean, this is so bad. The relationship between Clutch Sports, led by James's agent, Rich Paul, and the franchise is at its lowest point. Decisions made in July, August, and ahead of the February 10th trade deadline have led to a dysfunctional situation, and it's becoming increasingly clear that the Lakers need to come to terms early with James. August 4th, specifically, or part ways. Oh my God. That is when James is eligible for a two-year extension that could max out at $97.1 million through the 2024-2025 season. All of this, folks. Just think about all of this news that took me 30 minutes to give you. All of this to process. All of this happening in the middle of the All-Star Weekend. All of it. On not just the All-Star Weekend, though. The 75th anniversary of the NBA where we are celebrating the 75 greatest players of all time and the 75 best individual performances. And LeBron James says, you know, I get all that as Stephen A. Smith, and I get all that. But this shit's about me. No one was more aware of the moment. If you're thinking, well, maybe LeBron was just like not really thinking about all that, you know. He's answering questions on the fly. I mean, that's a lie. But he's answering questions on the fly. But no, no one more aware of this than Braun, who said more things about himself, as you might imagine. I've held the title of uh, ambassador for the NBA for a long time. Nobody told me to do it. Pause. Actually, no one asked you to do it either. No one asked you to do it. (laughs) It's just like... He's just like you walk into someone's house, you start cleaning it. No one told me to do it, but who else was going to do it? He says, no one told me to do it, but I felt like if I wasn't going to do it, who was? So I took that responsibility, and I'll continue to do it till I'm done playing the game. Fam. We'll move on. There's so much here. <sighs> it's exasperating. And it was a huge weekend for Braun, personally. First, he got the chance to settle rumored beef with Michael Jordan. I don't actually know if it was settled, but he thinks it is. Quote, Braun says this, I did not want to lose the opportunity to shake the man's hand that inspired me throughout my childhood. I haven't had much dialogue with him in my 20 years or 19 years in this business, but part of me wouldn't be here without MJ's inspiration. I wanted to be like him growing up. I didn't want to waste this opportunity just because we're not in and he wanted to say in a great place, but he said not in the same building. Literally, there was an ellipsis. Just because we're not in hash, we're not in the same building a lot, and haven't been in the same building a lot throughout my career, but it meant something to me. That paragraph right there, also, we could put a pin in and dissect and explore another time. I mean, people forget, like, there was no relationship between the two of those guys because, one, LeBron James was anointed the next Michael Jordan from the time he was probably just dropping his balls. And two, they never played together. They never played against one another or on an all-star team together in the NBA. As soon as Michael Jordan retired was the next year, three months later, LeBron's rookie year. And people forget that because there was like such a small crossover where that time, that era, they were both around the league. So, what did all of this, uh... oh yeah, by the way, Braun did hit the game-winning shot in the All-Star game, which I mentioned earlier in the show. A turnaround jumper, fadeaway, against the double team, a la Michael Jordan fashion, 
and then said that after his fadeaway was inspired by Michael Jordan. To which I reply, if you were to say that to Michael Jordan's face, Michael Jordan would say, everything you've ever done in your entire life is inspired by me. Like, so this all-star game fadeaway, thank you very much, but your movie career, your shoe career, your 23 plastered on your jersey for almost your entire, everything you've ever thought about doing around the game of basketball, globally, locally, with Nike, all of that was inspired by me and that would be the fucking truth so nice try lebron but like until you say that you're not going anywhere with michael jordan so anyway what did this braun drama do this weekend well one it solidified the fact that the probably the, the lakers are not going to make the playoffs probably the lakers are in disarray and as much as we want to let this moment and all these quotes and all these headlines go to the wayside I think we all sort of in the heart of hearts know that this relationship is irreparable. There is too much smoke, too much for there to not be anything. And even if LeBron stays in L.A., who knows? There's a certain head coach that he wanted to coach the Lakers that is over in L.A. as well for the Clippers. And the Clippers with Jerry West, who would love to fuck the Lakers in every way possible. They've got picks. They have picks, but they have Paul George. They have Kawhi Leonard. Who knows? If LeBron James decides he wants to go to the Clippers, he will be in a Clipper uniform. So I think that is going to be an interesting storyline to watch going forward. And as much as it's like over now, it's really not over now. It's just bubbling underneath the surface. And second... Yeah, it's just now beginning. And second, I think it's the first time that we can all be philosophers about what it means to be in the LeBron James business. I don't think any of us thought there were, until now, because there's been multiple times and multiple teams and multiple situations that he's done this, with, multi- with coaches, with drafts, with picks, with trades, all of that. Him forcing and exerting his will after he left Cleveland the first time, because he didn't do a lot then until he went to Miami that getting into the LeBron James business comes at a cost. It does. And we're starting to see what that cost is. Is you might be a contender for two to four years, and when he leaves, you are completely rebuilding your franchise, potentially for the next decade. If you allow him to do everything he wants you to do, he will empty, empty out every single bit of your cupboards and coffers for him which is why he tweeted effusive praise for GM Les Snead, who traded every single thing under the sun for Von Miller and OBJ and Matt Stafford and so on and so on to win right now. And he showed a photo of Les Snead at the parade that said, "Fuck fuck, fuck your draft picks. And he said, legend, that's the kind of man I like. Holy Shit. That's what it means to be in the LeBron James business. Is it worth it? Is the amount of money that you make from him being with your franchise, is the amount of drama that comes along with him, is the amount of contention and time in the playoffs, is it all worth it? Well, now that he's on the wrong side of 30 and almost to 40, I think that the answer probably is no. And we see how perilous it is to give him what he wants, and we also see how perilous it is to not give him what he wants. The drama now has shifted west. It's done. Harden, Simmons, 
Kyrie, done. Everything now, all of the drama, all of the strife, all of the question marks surround LeBron James and his extension and relationship with the LA Lakers. And I promise you there will be piece after piece after piece written, created for video, et cetera, et cetera, around LeBron. It is not even close to over. And third, since he says he wants to play with Bronny, and he'll do anything that he wants, that he will do anything that he can to play with Bronny, regardless of how much money he ends up making, which will probably be a veteran minimum, a LeBron James on a veteran minimum to play with his son, who is probably not a caliber of talent that would be taken very, taken very highly without Bron in the picture. I think we're all started thinking, starting to think about a world post-LeBron James and a world where he bullies another team again in his final act. Nobody more than Adam Silver has been thinking about this. Uh, more than him, I guess. He says this, I want to be absolutely clear. This is like one of those no one colon situations where it's like no one. And then you see something. It's like no one. And then Adam Silver. I want to be absolutely clear. I am not prepared to talk about the post LeBron James era. Uh, no, I mean, we didn't ask you if you were. And I don't think it's because I'm in denial, he says. He said this. I don't think the reason I'm not prepared to talk about it is because I'm in denial. He won a championship less than a year and a half ago. From my standpoint, LeBron James is still playing at the very highest level in the league. At some point, a new player or players will emerge, I think, to take that leadership mantle in the league. It seems that they always do, but I'm just not prepared, even in the slightest, to start thinking about the league without LeBron. Actually, Adam Silver, I think that's pretty much the textbook definition of denial. Like, I know, you know, as soon as someone says it's not because I'm in denial, they are actually because in denial. Bronny James, though, for anybody who's looking for the shred of good news, Bronny James will not be in the NBA before the 2024-2025 season, so we know we have at least three more years of the LeBron James era and the LeBron James drama. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back Friday with a new episode. Please do not forget to download, subscribe, tell all your friends, and follow us on social at, at This Heat Check and Trista Crick on TikTok.